This is but one of a thousand true crimes. Hey everyone, welcome back to A Thousand True Crimes. You are here with Chelsea and Joe. How's it hey going? Guys. It's good. I'm I'm over here covered in poison ivy and mm. welcome to summer in North Carolina. <laughs> Girl, listen, it has been like the perfect spring days, sunshine, blue know, skies. Right? The birds are chirping. Everything's There's blooming. a breeze. There's a breeze. It's no humidity. And then you step outside and everything's blanket and yellow. And it's like, pollen I just want to be outside. But the pollen's but here listen, and the world's trying to like kill me. I know, I'm dying. Well, I have an update right though now. for I'm anybody dying. who has major allergies. And it's so funny because I just saw a picture on my like uh, memories of last mm-hmm. year where I literally had five different medications that I was taking to just survive allergy season. Okay. So last year was like so bad and I couldn't take it anymore. So I decided to go and get acupuncture for my allergies. And I only had one session because my husband died very recently, like very shortly after that I, after that session. However, this year, all I've had to take is my Zyrtec. Hmm. I know. I mean, it took me a while for me to sh- start showing symptoms. Unfortunately, my son has been dying for like two weeks. Yeah. And, I was going to say, um, I'm usually dying. I, I, it does not take long for me to show symptoms. I have bad, bad, bad allergies since yeah. I was a child. But so, for other sufferers and even potentially baby B... When he's older, try the acupuncture. If it ain't covered by TRICARE, I ain't doing it. I mean, that's valid. But most ins- most insurance, co- well, I don't know about TRICARE. <laughs> TRICARE? Co- <is> it? No. <laughs> they might. They might. No. <laughs> oh, girl, I would have to go through, like, my PCM, get a referral, <laughs> probably have to go to, like, 20 other doctors, and then, and then they would be like, okay, fine. But, but you, you can, can only, only go, go to, this doctor. to this one place that's five hours yeah. away. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's like an out-of-pocket expense. And I just – and like for me, I'm like uh, suffer for like a month and then it's done. So like I have a hard time. I know that like once we're done with a big, big yeah. bloom, it gets yeah. better and we're yeah. getting there and we just need a massive rainstorm and it will be like amazingly fine. But dang, it's taking forever. And it's yes. such first world problems. It's such first world problems. These are not first world problems. These are environmental. These are environmental problems. We live in the South. There's a lot of pollen. A lot of things grow here. Like it's part of it, unfortunately. People did it in like the 17 and 18. I know. Listen, do you want to know what I wonder? Okay. So Florida, right? Like North Carolina, uh-huh. I get it. I get why when they landed on our beaches, they were like, we're gonna stay. It's gorgeous for most of the year. It's beautiful. Yeah. Georgia, South Carolina, I get it. But Florida, like once you, okay, so so they landed in Pensacola. The Spanish landed in Pensacola. I get why they stayed. Pensacola, gorgeous. Also beautiful. It's deceptively East Coasty. But then they took like 10 miles inland and they saw the swamps and the gators and the snakes and the mosquitoes and the roaches. And yet they still thought, let's stay. I, listen, I don't understand. I would be the first one out, be like, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> All the shirts. 
Yeah, no. Well, it's just like DC <laughs> that was like, let's build our capital on a fucking. Oh, but swamp. I can tell you, I can tell you why that happened. That did not happen why? because of settlers. That happened because during the deal, when uh, they were trying to decide where the capital was, and they were trying to decide like who had control over the banks. Basically, Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison all made a deal where more or less Jefferson didn't want to have to travel all the way up north to go to uh uh like council like uh senate meetings presidential meetings and stuff like that so part of the trade-off to keep the banks in new york was that they would put the capital in virginia but obviously they were going to carve out a little piece and call it washington dc so that jefferson didn't have to travel as far to attend okay but that's the piece they chose it was a quid pro quo yeah 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 it was stupid yeah of course yeah they should have kept that's but that's Virginia is bigger and you move in 20 miles you ain't in swamp lands so mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you Anyways, what does this, that, that and also and also when people like were migrating long ass time ago I don't even know how many years ago long ass time ago and people were like the first winter in like Alaska like Fairbanks was Girl. like yep we're Let's staying. Stay. This is great. This is this is perfection. I would okay, be like, but also I can tell. That, so there's reasons why that happens as well, right? Because they were the. I don't even know. I don't know if this is technically like right the right terminology, but the Inuits were up there already. So by the time that white men made it up there, like it was a. It was no, a, I'm talking about the Inuits from day one, like when they got oh, there because they, they all came, came from Serbia. Grade. They came from Serbia. They were used to it. Who okay? I'm talking. Okay, let me rephrase this, and then we can move on away from this because this is a stupid conversation. <laughs> but whoever was the first person that was like discovering these lands, the very first ones, there you go, not the settlers, the very first ones yeah, that were it. migrating from Africa, they and were like, let's just Serbia. stay here. Yeah, but like they had to come from somewhere to Serbia. They didn't just poof. They're in Serbia. Well, true, but they had lived there. That's long what I'm enough. saying. They had this, lived but, there but, long That's enough. what I'm saying. The first person that migrated from Africa why, to Serbia. Why did they walk up to the cold? They were like, this is great. I'm going to stay here where it's I fucking got freezing for 10 months out of the damn year. Ten, yeah. Can't, if they're lucky. If they're lucky. If they're lucky. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Be like, this is where we're staying. I'd be like, I'm, I'm walking back. I'm out. Thank you so much. Why do we come here? It's too cold. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. We we literally just left the tropics. Why? Why why are we here? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sorry, my like allergy medicines and all that makes me a little crazy. But anyways, oh my goodness, my dog is like begging to go upstairs but she's just gonna have to deal because i don't feel like moving um okay so do you want to go into what this whole show is about um all right so you ready to hear what we're actually talking about today i guess i don't know (laughs) all right this is the uh, case of david doolin okay you heard of him okay i got most of my information from an id show called fog of murder and also as well as um, an article from the cinemaholic.com. Is this D-U-L-A-N? So it's David D U 
L-I-N. Got him. Got him? Okay. So, we start off in Hurley, Missouri. Oh, he looks fun. Yeah. It's November 29th, 2006. A 911 operator receives a call, and pretty much you can hear a man, and they actually play the 911 tape in the episode. Yeah. And that's how it, like, starts off. And you hear a man moaning and saying, I'm hurt. And the man on the line just keeps saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. So the 911 operator asks if he is still bleeding a lot, and he says yes. She then asks if someone is still with him, and he tells her no. So as they continue to, like, play the 911 call, the dispatcher is telling the man that he needs to stay with her, don't go to sleep, and pretty much just, like, keep talking. Yeah. The man is obviously in a lot of pain and tells her that he can't get air and he is about to pass out. Oh, man. We come to find out that the man's name is 53-year-old David Doolin. Okay. So, I'll talk a little bit more about Hurley, Missouri, but it's pretty rural. Mm -hmm. And so, it takes police about 25 minutes uh, pretty much for any help to get to him, it takes about 25 minutes. Oof. Yeah, which is a, lo- a lot. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're bleeding out. Yep. So the 911 call, you can hear the sheriff's department enter the house on the call. They clear the scene, and that's when they allow the medics to enter. And yeah. So David was found in his living room in a pool of his own blood. There was blood splatter all around him. They can tell there had been a struggle since blood was pretty much everywhere. And there, there's like items just thrown all over the place. Okay. Okay. In one picture of the crime scene, you can see a partial denture. We kind of like go back to the 911 call. And David was able to give the dispatcher information about what happened. Okay. He said, Two white men in their 20s or 30s came into his house and shot him in the head twice, but they were not there anymore, and they used a 22. Okay. Hey, that's some solid fucking info. And he'd been hit, shot in the head twice. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty damn good. So, like, that's amazing. And I'm not about, like, playing 911 calls and all that stuff. Like, I feel like that's just can be very traumatizing. Yeah, um, yeah. But it, the 911 call plays a huge role in this case. Okay. So it's kind of important. <laughs> so we're going to take a step back and talk a little bit about Hurley, Missouri. Okay. It's a small county, but it's big in the sense of land and miles. But population-wise, it's really, really small. What are we talking so I saw like a population sign for like 158 Nuh-uh. people. Yeah, it's small. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows everything. And um, David was born in September of 1953, and he grew up in Hurley. After he finished high school, he moved to Texas for a job, but would end up coming back to Hurley and living there. People in town would refer to David as the professor because he was extremely intelligent and was well-read. His sister said that he was loving and caring, but some people kind of thought he was a little crazy, 
But she said, that's because you didn't understand him. You didn't understand his humor or his values. Okay. So he's a little on the eccentric side. Okay. And okay. maybe not for like that. in normal society, like society, but in like small town Missouri. They're okay. pretty, con- yeah. Con- right. Yeah. He's going to come off a little bit more eccentric if perhaps he wasn't yeah. so eccentric. Where like okay. we might be like, okay, he is, but like nothing too insane. Right. Okay. Um. Now, they make this very clear, and I do want to say that in the episode, they never reference this, but I got the idea and the picture that there's pretty much like two classes in Hurley, I guess you could say. Okay. You have the farmers, which are mostly milkers, okay. and they're extremely hardworking. They, you know, they're very traditional, kind of keep the value, whatever. But then you have like the people, and they say that do the wrong thing to survive, so to me, that sounds like people that might be like selling drugs, yeah. or like involved in drugs or involved in crime. Generally they never come edgy. out and say it. They never come out and say it, but it definitely gives that feel that they, there's probably a lot of like underlying crime and drugs in that area. Interesting. Okay. All right. So it's kind of okay. a classic small town, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's either you're like doing the hard work or you're trying to find the easy way out. Mm-hmm. in a sense mm-hmm. so that's kind of like the background okay. um and i didn't really find much more about david's upbringing but it seemed like relatively normal okay um so we meet private investigator falk who actually ends up taking the 911 call to a studio to reduce the background noise because there was a lot of confusion on what david was saying wait the the dispatcher they just said private investigator Falk ends up taking the oh, 911 okay. call. Yeah, they don't. The timeline is a little sketch, and like everything I could find online outside of the episode, uh, didn't really tell me anything different than what the episode said. So I don't know if there's like just not a lot of paper trail for it, maybe. Um, or like again, it's small town, so if he's from there, he might like I I don't know. But anyways, he ends up taking the 911 call. I don't know if it was public at the time. Who knows? Okay. To a studio to reduce the background noise because there's a lot of confusion on what David was saying. Okay. So now they can really understand David. He tells 911 that they fought over the gun and the dispatcher asks David if he knows the guys or has seen them before. David says one of the guys was the EB eb girl's boyfriend okay and okay. we should remember this yes okay so because this is a small town the police are able to track down the three ebs in town okay <laughs> is this a name it's a last name eby okay okay all right all right so you have christy eb paula eb and Candy E.B. Okay. Those are the three okay. E.B. girls. Those are the three E.B. girls. Now, Paula E.B. is the mother. And there were rumors that David and Paula had been romantically involved at some point. Oof. Okay. But these are rumors. Like, a small town, you, like, laugh what... too hard at someone's joke. And they're like, oh, they're definitely hooking up. I was going to say, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the nature of the small town. Yep. So at the time of the murder, 
sorry, I had to take a big sip of wine because my throat is like. <laughs> hey, we, so didn't, I'm, we didn't say this at the so, beginning. What are you sipping on? Oh, my bad. Just some Pinot Grigio. I got a cab style. I Kings of Prohibition. I was, was going like, to say, you're in like a fancy wine bottle. Today. No, it's not. It's actually like a $12 wine. It's like cheap. And I was like, well, let's try it. It's actually not very good. So don't get it. Oh. It'll get the job like done. The... Don't get me wrong, but it's got to keep bottle. I like the... I like the bottle. That's why nine times out of ten, if I choose a wine that I haven't had before, it's because I like the label. So, well, they were featuring the this. Yeah, they were featuring it in the store. And so I was like, okay. And it was like, it was on sale. Regularly, it's 14 I got it for 12 Um, But it's not very good. So I would not recommend the Kings of Prohibition Cab Zap. But it does get the job done. There you go. Okay. So well, Paula is the senior of the EB yes. women. And of the EB women, there's rumors they're having an affair, but God only knows if that's true. Yeah. Now, at the time of the murder, Paula was dating a man named Mark Myers. Is Paula a single mother at this time? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They all like I'm like 99.9% sure all the photos that they sent they showed was like their mugshot photos. <laughs> and I don't know if it was a mugshot from when they got a like arrested when they were being questioned or like if it's mugshots from different crimes like and they might have never committed any crimes i'm just saying i was like damn they did not even like attempt to like it's all mugshots even like everybody that they showed and like questioned they were like this is mark and it's mugshot i'm like okay they have what looks to be mugshots on here yeah, so I don't know if it's mugshots in relation to this crime or if it's mugshots in <laughs> relation to a different crime. So they're not milkers. No, they're on the other side of, <laughs> of the class system Got it. in that town. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. And I am not hating on Missouri because my mom is from Missouri. Yeah, no. Kansas. No hate. All the time. It's just factual. And I know Kansas and Missouri are different, but not really. You know. <laughs> I've been to both. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but I do love, I do love Kansas City, Kansas, though. Yeah, both beautiful. Big, big shout out to Kansas City. Yeah, there's nothing wrong I with lo- living that's out a, there. That's a, that's, a, yeah, no. Just don't get uh, mad when we lump you all together. <laughs> that's fine. I'm a military spouse. We get lumped in as, with dependas. So that's right. That's you. right. That's right. Okay. All right. So, anyways. Paula is dating a man named Mark Myers. Now, Mark becomes a suspect in the case. David and Paula lived close together. Okay. Like, you could, like, it's like his little house and, like, tra- her trailer were close. Paula lived well, up the hill they from were David. probably hooking up, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, who knows? And they kind of allude, like, could this have been a crime of passion? Could Mark have found out and got upset? Like, very, like, they're kind of, like, trying to figure out, like, why did this happen? Yeah. Because, like, homicides don't really take place in that county. Like, again, they they really alluded, like, I really got the feeling that it was, like, a lot more of drugs than anything else and, like, petty crime. Right. Little things, not homicide. 
not um, homicide. Yeah, no, I totally understand because it's like if you've never had homicide and then you have a homicide, it's like there's got to be a reason for this. This isn't a city where people yeah. get murdered for no reason all the time. Like we're in the middle of nowhere. Like there's got to be a fucking reason for this. Yeah, yeah. So in the 911 call, David said that the men were in their 20s or 30s. Mark at the time was in his 40s, but due to his lifestyle, looked more like he is in his 50s. Okay. So it does a lot of drugs. Got it. Yeah. that That's what I'm saying. Like, they have very yeah. much alluded to that. <laughs> Got Without it. Without saying it, that's what it came off as. Got it. Okay. Mark, okay. Mark and Paula were both questioned and denied having any knowledge about the murders. So at this point, the police start to question the daughters. Candy is the first one to be questioned, and um, during Candy's interrogation, she told the police she would like to help, but she doesn't know anything and doesn't know how she can help. Sorry, my my nose is leaking. (laughs) Y'all, I really do apologize. It's bad. The struggle is real. I want to go back to Hawaii. (laughs) <laughs> please don't I'm not but I want to go back until all the pollen's gone and then I'll come back <laughs> okay fair enough <laughs> okay the police then begin to play the beginning of the 911 call where David is is describing his attackers now Candy was married to a man named Tim Seaman now Tim isn't Awkward. the I know. When I saw that name, I was like, man, that's really the last name that his ancestors chose. They stuck with Out it, huh? All the last names in the world. They, they really stuck like, with it. They, they were didn't like, want to yep, add that's us. a letter or add a vowel. They just stuck with semen. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that they probably came over at some point from Europe and could have right? changed Right, exactly. Their name, they could have. But. Salmon. Salmon. I mean, they could have. <laughs> Simon. I just decided. Simon. Simon. <laughs> oh my God, There's could you imagine? Simon. Simon. That'd be S- better. Simon? Like S-E-A-M-O-N-T? It's, no, it's Simon. Like Seaman. They yeah, say no. Seaman. They stuck, what, they stuck S-E-A-M-A-N. With, they stuck with Seaman. They just stuck with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, essentially, like, the detectives and stuff, they're like... Tim, isn't the brightest crayon in the box? The detective? And he never... <laughs> yeah, they're like... Like, the people they were interviewing were like... I think it was his oh, dad. No. It was uh, David's dad or sister or somebody like that was like, yeah, this is going to sound bad, but they said like the, he ain't the sharpest tool or something like that. So... <laughs> oh, bless his heart. Um, How did he get to be a detective? <laughs> No, this is no. Candy's okay. We got way too far away from this. Candy is married, was married to Tim Seaman. Candy is oh, an EB. Tim girl. is the one who is not the, the sharpest tool in the toolbox. Yes. Tim got is it. not a detective okay, by any means. Got it. Okay. <laughs> he's a he's um, a beloved idiot. Um nope. he never seems to be able to hold down a job. Uh not beloved. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> Yeah, but Candy tells investigators that she did not have anything to do with David's murder. Everyone that the police believes to be involved, they have solid alibis and nothing is like sticking out. 
So Christy Eby was dating a man named Leo Connolly, and now he becomes a suspect. Okay. Now, Leo, this is the only time they bring up criminal offenses. Now, Leo had minor, minor criminal offenses, including some fights and DUIs. I don't think DUIs are minor, but. No, that's own. pretty major. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Leo gave off the vibe of, like, you didn't want to be on his bad side. Like, he was definitely rough around the edges. Okay. All right. Okay. So when um, investigators questioned him, Leo said that he and Christy had stayed in and watched TV, then went to bed. And at the time, Zach Stewart was staying at Leo's house. Okay. You ready for this? Zach is the half-brother to Candy and to Christy. Ma- say mom? Yes. Okay. Okay. Same mom. So it's Candy's and Christie's half brother. Half brother. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's just it. It's just there's a and lot they of were names all there. being thrown and they around. Were all there. They that's were all his there. ally, essentially. Yes. Okay. All right. Now, this because Zach was there at the house leads Zach to becoming a suspect. Also, he's younger. He's in his twenties, so he f- matches the description of what. Oh, David said. So Zach says he tells investigators they had fallen asleep on the couch at his sister's house and he didn't see anything or know anything about David's murder. So either this kid is lying through his teeth or the murder didn't happen at the house. You'll have to just stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Find out. Um, in March 2007, it's now about four months after David's murder, investigators are having a lot of issues with the case. They are facing dead end after dead end, leads leading nowhere, and just interviewing a lot of people. So during the four months after David's death, all, okay, this is real smart, okay. all the evidence <laughs> that had been bagged and collected the night hadn't really been touched or looked through. Everyone is really relying on his 911 call. They haven't gone through the evidence yet? They kind of were just like, well, we have him on 911 call. Like, he tells us who it is. It's Evie's girl's boyfriend and in the 20s and 30s. So, yes. This is when Leo and Zach become the prime suspects. Oh, no. Are we going to get some false convictions here? Again, you have to just hang out. I'm trying. <laughs> so a little bit of a backstory of Zach. I didn't really find much on Leo. <coughs> but on November 4th, 1999, Zach came to live with Steve Stewart, which is his father. Again, Zach's biological mom was Paula Eby. Now, Zach did not have the happiest childhood. His father mentioned that as a kid, he would have to get up in the middle of the night because the police were coming to his house. Also, he also had a lot of discipline issues at school and at home. When he was 17, he decided that he wanted to move out and went to live with his biological sister, Christy. Okay. This is one of the daughters. 
Yeah, his sister too. Okay. So it sounds like he eventually was he was like living with Paula, his mother, and then eventually got to his father's house and then at 17 decided I'm done, I'm moving in with my sister. Okay. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No, it just sounds like he just didn't have the happiest childhood and probably should have gotten some therapy. It seems like there was stuff going on, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So at this point, investigators and people in town, they kind of like have their own idea who did who did this. And how but does this affect the case, Jules? Yeah, but there is no physical evidence that they're finding. That connects this kid? That's Because yeah, that's who they're no looking physical. at? Because they're just yep. right now, all they're stuck on is they're stuck on it's a boyfriend of one of the kids. They're not considering yeah, one that, of the like, daughters. And I'm not saying that he's wrong, but they're not considering that, you know, he was in trauma and perhaps in trauma, he identified someone who looked similar enough to one of the boyfriends um, and that maybe he wasn't completely coherent considering that he had been shot in the head twice. Yeah. I mean, you got to just like. You can't just rely on a 911 call. I feel like you need to look at the actual evidence. You cannot re- but, rely on a statement from somebody who has, like, been shot in the head twice. I mean, you can rely on, like, this happened. These two men came in and shot me in the head. But, like, when you get down to the specifics, it's like, son, you are in trauma. Yeah. Like, we should probably look at other things. We just learned this a couple episodes ago. With yeah. The, like, we just learned this. The eyewitnesses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grain of salt. Oh, eyewitnesses. Yes. How your brain, when you're being assaulted or attacked, does not go and look at physical features. Your brain is too focused on, okay, where's Escaping the knife? Escaping harm. Where's the gun? Yeah, yeah. How am I going to get out of here? Yeah. Yep. Unless there's like a significant amount of like different, like uh, like a marking or a scar you are in, or right, facial. Exactly, right. like, you have like yeah. a huge scar or like a huge massive tattoo on your arm that is just uh-huh. undeniable. Exactly. Right. Like I yeah. buy, I buy that he's saying two men shot me that I totally am like, okay, all right, we got this. But like, when you get into the fine details, I'm very much willing to be like, so he said that it looked like one of these girls' boyfriends. Let's look at people Obviously, let's look at their boyfriends, but let's also look at people that might look like their boyfriends. Yeah. But these people obviously had not listened to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, um, Alicia Kimberling asks to speak with detectives. Okay. She was facing prison time for an unrelated crime, and she claims to have some information about David's murder. So on March 15th, 2007, detectives speak to Alicia, and she seems very nervous about telling her story, but she claims that Leo, her cousin, killed David. That's one of the boys. She said that she, mm-hmm, that's one of the main suspects, prime yeah. suspects, yeah. Leo. She said that she was on a 10 Can Hollow Road, which is David's road, which like, at, can you be any more in the country? 10 uh-huh. Can Hollow no, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The night that he was murdered, she looks through her car window. Now, it is dark out. It's nighttime. But she says she saw Zach and Leo in a white car. When she stops to speak to Leo, he is covered in blood. And Zach is in the back of the car, terrified and shaking. But he is holding a gun in his hand. 
Now he couldn't see, she couldn't see exactly what type of gun, but it was some form of like a handgun. Like she was able to be like, it wasn't a rifle, wasn't like an AR, it it was definitely like a handgun. Could have been a 22. She asked Leo what was going on and he said he handled his business. She asked him if he killed that old man and he said, I handled my business. Why the fuck do you want to know? Are you a cop? Oh my God. So this is Alicia. That's what she is saying happened. I have to go. Tell me 75 ways that you could tell, you could make someone think that you're guilty. (laughs) I know. So after Alicia came forward, cops now believe they have enough evidence and arrest Zach and Leo for David's murder. They do. They arrest them both. Okay. All right. mm -hmm. Now Paul, Leo's father, calls a lawyer for him and the lawyer says that he has never talked to anyone as innocent as Leo. Now, to be fair, there is no forensic evidence in this case. Yeah, yeah. Pointing him to that. That is a that is a hearsay story. Like, so police did search his house and his car, and they find nothing. Now, Leo goes to preliminary hearing, and there was a deposition of Alicia, but the charges end up getting dropped due to lack of evidence. In Leo's case. So Leo's charges okay. get dropped. I mean, okay. honestly, like, like, and I'm not saying like that he's innocent, that I think he's innocent, but I feel like considering what they have on him, I think that's fair. Yeah. He, they yeah. should be dropped. Okay. I feel like I missed over this. Like I missed this whole sentence. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did I tell you how Alicia was facing prison time for unrelated crimes? Yeah. When she came yes. forward? Yes. Did I mention that? Okay. So yes. I do feel like that should be taken into consideration too. Like, why are you really coming for? Are you trying to just like get some, like get time by claiming something that didn't happen or are you actually trying to help? You know? Yeah. No, I agree. And I, 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 I mean, the second you said that, I was like, well, we got to take it with a grain of salt because she's kind of being a snitch a little bit. And like, we can't trust people who have plea agreements that are on the table. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, it gets a little it gets a little muddy. So during all of this, Zach is still being held and his cellmate now comes forward claiming that Zach has admitted to the crime. So Victor Parker was Zach's cellmate and he said that Zach told him he used a 22 and where he shot David. He also said that Zach um, went to David's house to rob him and ended up shooting David two to three times in the head. So detectives now tell Zach that he has been implicated in the murder and that there were jailhouse snitches that told on him, which I'm like, hello, 19, like 1995 jailhouse snitches. Is that still a term that's used? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A jail. Oh, okay. A I don't snitch, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get a snitch, but like a jail. I don't know. When I hear like jailhouse snitch, I think of like a 1950s like. James Dean saying yeah no I hear you I hear you we still use that word I don't know why I mean I guess you could say an informant but we call them yeah no a lot of times a lot of times they're referred to as snitches so yeah um so Zach tells the detectives that he didn't do it and you can't prove it because I was never there the detectives tell him I can and I will and Zach goes do it and just gets up and walks out of the room like, essentially, they put him back to jail. He's like, if you're going to charge me with this, like, I wasn't there. I'm telling you I wasn't there. Go ahead and fucking try it. Okay. 
So Zach's dad goes up to the jail and Zach still claims his innocence. So another little side note is that the Doolin family and the Stewart family are pretty close and go pretty far back. Zach said the hardest thing I've ever had to do was call up Jim and say, my son shot your son. Now, Steve, Zach's dad, believes that Zach did it as well as Jim. Because Ooh. Zach has had like kind of like a past and like he's lied about things before and this and that. So Ooh. his dad is believing that he did it. Okay. So March 25th, 2008, Zach, who is 19 at the time, has his trial. So the first thing that happens in the trial is that they play the 911 tape of David talking to the operator. David's mom was in the courtroom and she was about to walk out, but then stops and said, wait, I want to hear his voice one more time. Yeah, I feel that. I'm like, oh my God, but it's like such like a horrible, I know. like it's not a happy, you know what I mean? Like that's. But that's lost, man. Heartbreaking. Like, that's true tragedies. You're like, I don't even care how I hear it. I just want to hear it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So after the 911 call is played, they hold up David's hat and clothes. And they said, this is David's hat with bullet holes in it. Now, this is when David's sister, Kathleen, is like, wait, never in his life did he wear a ball cap. Really? He always, he always wore a fedora. He liked the 40s look. So at this point, the family's like, uh, that's not his hat. That is someone else's hat. What? So the family writes a note, hands it down to the secretary, and she took it to the prosecutor. So the trial is put on hold until the hat can come back from forensics. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, so like, they, I assume they found the hat at the scene. Yes. Again, they never actually tested anything. Oh, my God. This is infuriating. This is all based on a 911 call. This is so infuriating. A jailhouse snitches claim, as well as someone who is trying to get rid of a, like, is facing other charges. I was trying to, like, cut a deal. So, I mean... We got to take it with a grain of salt. Like, no offense. I'm not judging anybody. Like, like it's fine. It's just like, we got to take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shit, and this might not have uh, even been his hat. So, a few days later, the hat comes back and the DNA proves it did not belong to Zach. So, now it's back to square one. The hat belongs to one of the killers, but it's not Zach. Now, the hat did have two types of DNA on it, but neither of them belonged to Zach or Leo. But a preliminary hit does come back. It comes back to Tim Seaman, who is married to Candy Eby. Okay. Now, you would think this would stop the trial against Zach. Nope. You need a match to DNA, not a hit. Okay. So I because because I said that I was like, well, what's the difference between a match and a hit? Like, so a DNA match is the estimate of the probability that a defendant is the source of the sample. That is what the Department of Justice defines it as. According to the North Carolina Department of Justice, a hit is when an unknown DNA profile matches an offender or arrestee's DNA profile in the database. So whose did it match? So it was a hit on Tim's, but because I guess he 
didn't supply his DNA like in the thing, they couldn't consider it a match. Oh. Is from my understanding. But oh. it's hitting in the system. So it's like, hey, we this know. could be your guy. Yeah. But because you didn't test it, like that's what I got from it. I tried like searching like an actual like kind of like dumbed down version, but I couldn't really find much. So yeah. I know, girl. Listen, I've been out there trying to do the same <laughs> like, research. I'm like, gosh. So pretty much at this point, the only thing that the prosecution has to use is the 911 tapes and Alicia and Victor's testimony. That's it? I would also like to point out That's that not during the investigation, there had been evidence of Tim telling relatives he killed someone. Also, one of David's guns went missing, but was later found, and it was confirmed to be a murder weapon. What? At some point, a man a man told police that Tim had sold it to him. Okay. So you would think with all that information, at least like even if the at the time the police didn't know about like what Tim was saying, uh-huh. you would think, okay, Tim's DNA is on this evidence, on this hat. Zach's is not. Right. So we need to drop the charges against Zach and now focus towards Tim. Yes. No. <laughs> they continue the trial against Zach. Like, oh. I don't understand. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, March in 2028, Zach is convicted for the murder of David Doolin and received life without parole. They do make it very like... Zach? Mm-hmm. They do make it like Zach used a public defender while Leo had a private lawyer, like could hire a lawyer and Zach couldn't. And it's kind of like, did that have a bigger thing to do with it too? Like if okay, Zach sure. was able to get a real, like a real lawyer, no, a public defender is one, Um, like a, hire a lawyer, right, would that, it have been that, a different right, outcome? Right, 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 Which we know. I mean, we don't have to... Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, I could never you be a pay. public defender because their their workload is insane. There's not yeah, enough, yeah, exactly. there's not I know, enough yeah. of them to exactly, exactly, yes, 100, percent yes, exactly, yep, yep. And that's that's uh, so it's like no shade against the public defenders, but the reality is they're representing thousands of people all the time. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. Now, after the trial, Zach keeps telling his dad, you got to talk to Paul Conley, Leo's dad. And during the trial, Paul was actually pointing out all the evidence that's pointing away from Zach. So Paul lets his dad look through all the information on the trial, on the evidence, and his dad finally realizes, like, shit, there's no way he did this. Okay. So at this point, Paul and Steve start to work together, and... The thing that really sticks out to them were the dentures that were found at the crime scene. Yes. Now, David Doolin did have a partial, but there are a lot more pieces than just a partial. Yeah. So they believe that the dentures belonged to one of the murderers. So I don't know how he did this, but somehow Paul takes the dentures to a lab and it comes back to have unknown DNA found. Now, they are officially able to determine there are two different DNAs on the scene. So, two years after David's murder, Zach has been in prison for a year. This whole time. Okay. 
Oh, only mm-hmm. a year. Well, only. I say oh, only. Yeah. A year. I should say a year. A okay. year. Once Tim's name was mentioned about his DNA being a hit, Paul knew who else was involved. Tim's best friend, John Mills. Now, John lived in a mobile home park and sometimes Tim would stay there. And they were like two peas in a pod. So when the dentures come back and they're able to test it and all that fun fun stuff, it links John Mills to the crime scene. So at this Zach point, I, just listen, at I'm this done. point, <laughs> it, you're about to be even more done and then just give it a second. <laughs> at this point, a campaign takes place to bring awareness to Zach's false conviction and through all of the hard work of Paul and Zach, as well as private investigators, Zach is granted a new trial. Yes. Okay. I would like I think to point out. Fair. I think this is fair. I would like to point out that Alicia and Victor were never charged for their false testimony. Zach is found innocent and released from prison. Good. Okay. So David's family had to, for the third time, relive David's murder. 36-year-old Timothy Seaman was arrested and charged with his murder. Tim and John had gone to David's house to rob him. David had a lot of valuables, guns, expensive guitars, all that fun stuff. And that is when a fight breaks out and shots were fired. So, Tim's best friend, two peas in a pod, John, testifies against him. John was offered immunity to testify against him. So, when the prosecution made this deal, they were not ready for what John had to say. Turns out that John is the one who pulled the trigger. No. But due to the immunity deal, he is only given seven off. years in prison. <gasps> what? <laughs> the pissy wall. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. He's a free seven man. Seven years. Seven years. He, I Wait, mean, so why I will give it to John because he was motive? They were just there to rob him. And that's it. And, and a fight he, breaks he out and he shoots him. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Damn. Tim received 21 and a half years. So he's still in jail. But John is living his life. Zach? He's, no, Tim. Tim, received Tim. 20, Tim received 21 and a half years. But John is out. He's living his life. Even though John was the one who confessed to being the one who pulled the trigger. Because he got the immunity deal before he told the, the cops that fact. He kept that in his little back pocket for a rainy day. He was like, ooh, wow. immunity deal. This is just a yep. lesson in how to. I mean, A, let's just acknowledge these cops did not handle this well. No, no, they did not. Um. But apparently this is what you do when apparently when cops don't handle things well. You just keep the truth in your back pocket and get a. Get immunity deal. An immunity deal. Exactly. Because he knew. He knew. I have to give it. Like that is where I'm like, okay. He kind of knew what he was doing right there. Like. Damn. That's insane. 
I could never hold that piece of knowledge in my back pocket because I would have fucking anxiety attacks. But I feel like these people's lack of moral compass is apparently, as I say, they do not struggle the way that you and I struggle. No, because we struggle. (laughs) So, yeah, I do have like a little update on Zach. Do you really? Okay. Yeah. When he was in prison, he was in a level five at 18 years old. Yikes. Oof. This caused him a lot of trauma. Of course it did. He had PTSD and he ended up committing suicide. So Zach becomes like a victim victim of theirs in a sense. Yeah. Just because he was at the house sleeping on the couch. That like hurts my heart a little bit. Damn. Yeah. Damn. He didn't even do anything. Nope. He was asleep on the couch. He was literally doing what he said he was doing, which was watching, was it watching a movie and then they fell yeah. asleep? and then fell asleep on the couch, yeah. Fuck. Listen, my parents growing up, they always forced and drilled that in my head. You are guilty by association. I know, like, girl, you can I know. Be, you can literally be sleeping on your fucking couch, but because you were with somebody that's a little shady or whatever... And something happens that you could get roped in. And that's so sad because – and then 18 years old and a level a five? A level five. Oof, yuck. Big yuck. You see him getting released and, like, you can just see it in his eyes. Like he's Like broken. he's gone. He's so broken. And I don't feel like the community is like, let's go get therapy. Like, you need help. But, yeah. So – that is the case of David Doolin. That one is tragic. That is tragic. Mm-hmm. And the guy who got right? caught. Or the guy who did it. Seven years. Seven years. That's what he Seven said. years. He's out. He's he's good. May he rot. Living his life. That's tragic. Disgusting. That's tragic. So sad. It's just like, ugh. It's so sad. I was like, no, Zach, no. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Not Zach. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry, buddy. And like, you can tell like his dad is in this episode. And like, you can tell like his dad has like his own guilt. Because so his dad sad. believed he did it in the beginning. So I oh, don't feel like he, he might have like... If he had really thought he was innocent, then maybe he would have been able to get him a lawyer and then like charge. Like, I just feel like I would have so much guilt. Uh, Yeah. But but it's your child. Like, that's a whole different. mm, Hmm. A parent should never have to bury their children. No. Against nature. It's horrible. But well. Jesus Christ. You about to ask me about my um, weekly win. Yeah, I am. We need a little (laughs) a little upper here. Okay, my weekly win is that spring is here and I got back in the yard. I am taking the poison ivy. It's just part of what comes with it. And I love working in my yard. Um, So that's my weekly win is spring is here and I got back into it. I'm just like ripping roots out right and left. There you go. Nice. Poison ivy along the way, apparently. But what's yours? I know it's miserable. Um, Not poison ivy. Because <laughs> um, I don't garden. So I kind of have like two, but like they're very short. 
So one, I finished, okay, and by finished, I mean I finished listening to a really great book on Audible called The Four Winds. Okay. Um, super good. It's a good Maybe book. Cry right. a little bit. It's oh, a good shit. book. So if anybody's looking, it's The Four Winds. Okay. Um, let me look up the author real quick. Okay, The Four Winds. It's by Kristen Hanna. Okay. okay. And then, um, I don't know if you heard of this show. It's on Hulu. And I think like new episodes come out tomorrow, but it's called Abbott Elementary. No. Oh my God. I'm like obsessed with the show. It is so good. It's is it so really good? You know, like, it's good. So you know how like everything's either super serious or like Bachelor or this and that. And you're just like, there's a lot of shit going on in the world. And you just want like a good feeling comedy sitcom. Yeah. But, like, yeah. That yeah. doesn't exist. It Absolutely. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. This is it. All right. Abbott so, Elementary. A-B-B-O-T-T. Okay. And it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. All right. So it's an ABC show. Okay. Okay. I love ABC. Yeah. So if you're looking for some like new, um, some recommendations for a book and a show, there you go. All right. I love it. I do too. Um, all right. Well. Join us next time to be sad. Just depressed again. <laughs> Although, no, next week I'm just doing I'm doing a serial killer. Hopefully it's one that not many people know about. So hopefully it's just some good gluttonous true crime. Um, obviously, as people in the true crime industry, we can't just be gluttonous. We have to, like, care about a lot of things. Um, but this is just a good old-fashioned gluttonous true crime. He's very dead. It's all very old. It's very past. Okay. <laughs> it's just a good... Okay. A good old fashioned story. No one's gonna be <laughs> like offended because they're not. I mean, they might be offended because be it's a serial killer, but killer. But if you're not into serial killers, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast, right? Anyway, exactly. So Beyond that, yeah, I don't know what to say. Move on. But if you do like our content and you like what we're giving you guys, we'd love for you guys to give us a rating, a subscription, a review. Very specifically on um, Apple Podcasts. It, it makes you more visible in the charts, essentially, if you have more reviews and more ratings. Um, so we would love for you guys to give us five stars or to leave us a five-star review. Um, also, if you're interested in talking to us or getting in with our community, we have the 1,000 True Crimes Podcast Discussion Group. We also have 1,000 True Crimes Pod on um, Instagram. The first one was on Facebook. And you can find us there. We're posting pictures of stuff or just dropping random true crime knowledge, which I had a very interesting true crime situation come up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I haven't gotten much information. I've been, like, stalking the story, waiting for, like, the information to come out. Okay. Uh-huh. So, do you watch Supernatural? Nope. I watched it when it first came out, and then I kind of, like, got over it. I'm obsessed. But I know as, about it. Yeah, right. As you know, I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. um, Dean Winchester is my future husband. But mm -hmm. Ryan Grantham, who was an actor on the show, was just recently convicted of murdering his mother. Oh, shit. I know, girl. And there's not a lot of information out about... There's... 
there's not information out about the the, the murder. If, if anything comes up that's more significant, I'll probably honestly do it on our podcast. But um, yeah, allegedly he murdered his mother. No, Shit. no previous criminal record. No issues legally. Obviously a child actor. Like he, he was yeah. acting in Supernatural at like 12. And then he went on to like Riverdale, Supernatural, iZombie. And then, yeah, just this year he murdered his mom. Damn. Damn. Girl. I know. Well, did you hear about that guy in New York and they think it's connected, New York and D.C.? Who? About killing, like, um, elderly Asian women? Yes! Yeah. Allegedly, like right? We have another serial killer, right? Yeah. Yep. They're yep. thinking, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, it's just insane. It's insane. It's so horrible. So it really is. Or no, it's the homeless. It's the homeless. They're going and shooting the homeless. Sorry, I'm thinking was. of another crime that came up about a guy that like followed an elderly Asian woman into her building and like beat her up. Didn't beat her up. Like he like beat the shit out of her. She survived. Pretty sure she survived. I have to like, I think she was like in critical condition. Um, yeah. But the, the one it's called that's a, connected yeah, between. Shelter. Yeah. And he kills women yeah. who go. Yep. 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 So that's happened. So, like, if anyone knows any information, please oh, come forward. Allegedly, one of, there's somebody who's been arrested. Oh, okay. Six six hours ago, this was posted. Oh, okay. Thirty year old arrested in serial homeless attacks killings. Dang, good. We'll see if it's the right guy. We'll see. All right. <coughs> All right, you guys. All right, well, y'all. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.